This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, where each week we preview and review all the big business and market stories. And this week, we're joined by Ed Moyer from New York. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Craig Earlham is having a few days off. I'm not sure how he got that or why he deserves that, but it's just you and me today. It's going to be a special podcast. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Less interruptions, <laughs> at least. Uh, let's start with the shares. And if you recall this time last week, Ed, we were reflecting on those huge falls, particularly on your side of the Atlantic, down 7%, I seem to remember, and 4% in our case over here in the UK. Uh, but shares have rebounded pretty strongly uh, since those lows. And uh, can you tell us why? Well, I, I think there's uh, uh, several factors that are driving this move. Um, I'm, yes, the markets do want to go higher. It's, it's, it's very obvious when you look at the technicals. But we've seen a tremendous amount of inflows from retail traders, which has really um, um, surprised a, a lot of Wall Street uh, hedge funds missed the majority of the, the latest part of the rebound, so they finally um, decided to to succumb to this move, and now they're they're on board. You had V-shaped recovery momentum really gain. You had a lot better economic data from the U.S. Retail sales really surprising. Obviously, we remember that non-farm payroll report that was uh, a record recovery there, and and then you you have uh, just the the countless expectations of more stimulus here all over the world and uh, there's uh, the, there was that idea that president trump was floating again a trillion dollar infrastructure stimulus deal which um, will have a bipartisan support so um, whether or not it's done before the election it's debatable, but it, it's uh, pretty pretty um, apparent that the U.S. economy will will get another um, um, several uh, another trillion here, and uh, probably an extension of some of these uh, uh, benefits. So I think you're 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 seeing just the stimulus um, continue to 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 help propel these markets. And, um, you know, I, I won't, at some point, the fundamentals will have to validate these asset prices. But right now, uh, the momentum is just too strong. And uh, that's why we're, we've seen um, a, a strong recovery, which has uh, recovered a lot of, of those declines from last week, specifically Thursday. Yes. And you mentioned the central banks. Uh, you're talking in the trillions. And uh, our bank, the Bank of England, pumped an extra $100 billion into the UK economy to help... Uh, fight the downturn and the bank's policy makers voting eight to one to increase the size of its bond buying program and the, the one dissenting voice was mr andy haldane who of course is their chief economist was that significant by the way i i think it um it really kind of provided a, a little bit of a surprise here because it cemented this upbeat, um, relatively upbeat uh, interest rate decision that they just had. Uh, it, it seems that the BOE believes that the worst part of uh, this economic downturn is behind them and that uh, uh, Haldane is, uh, you know, he wanted to keep the the purchase program at this, the current pace. And I, I think that you're going to see that, um, there, there was also hints that uh, they're, they're, they're going to um, 
have a slower pace of purchases uh, starting next week. So, you know, that's basically they're used to we're used to seeing 13.5 billion in pounds um, helping uh, liquidity conditions. And that's going to be cut down to about four and a half billion. So you're starting to see, uh, um, you know, um, you know, if, if central banks are starting to, to you know, reduce uh, what they're pumping into into the markets, uh, they're they're very upbeat on the economy. So I think the the, the near term outlook is is definitely um, looking a lot better for the Bank of England. Uh, I think they, they the the one negative is they're they're still concerned about the labor market, and uh, I think that's uh, uh, arguably going to be the case for <laughs> much of the world. Uh, but you, but you're you're starting to see that there is um, some. Um, positive momentum building in the UK economy. And, uh, you know, I think there are, there are expectations that more stimulus is going to come uh, down the road. But, you know, right now it seems like uh, the Bank of England is going to be able to uh, uh, stand pat. They don't have to make any decisions on negative interest rates. We don't know how the economic recovery, we don't know how the virus is going to unfold throughout the rest of the year. So uh, it seems that they're just going to be um, sticking to uh, their, their current positions right now and and I, I think um, the if the rebound continues uh, you'll you'll probably continue to see the Bank of England uh, react in, in in this way. And there is definitely some optimism in the air as well. We've ended the week with the coronavirus alert level being downgraded from four to three. Boy, did it take time! Uh, this has come from the chief uh, medical uh, officer. And that means that the virus is now considered to be, in, in inverted commas, in general circulation. And that could lead to further relaxation of restrictions. Of course, we had non-essential retail open on Monday, and that has produced mixed results. Um, not huge numbers of sales, but certainly people are returning to the high street. And we've still got a few weeks before, I think it's a couple of weeks before, uh, we have the uh, all the pubs and the restaurants and the hospitality that is opening on uh, on a very important date for you guys, the fourth of July. Uh, so, and and there's much talk about whether we're going to reduce the meter rule from two meters to one. And uh, I I, c I can only imagine that must be very 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 near to happening because it's absolutely vital for UK PLC. So it, it is. It is a much more optimistic era around, but as you said, we're not we're never far away from a sudden a sudden crisis. Maybe there's going to be a, a, a you know another uh, a wave in another country, and you know we we've we've seen that in the United States, we've seen that in China. Uh, it seems to be on the downward trend in Europe at the moment, but we need it to stay that way. Very much so, and, and I think um, though you 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 painted a nice picture here because uh, whenever you I mean, when we take a look at this virus across the world, um, right now we are seeing several surges all over the place. Um, um, a lot in the U.S. We did have Beijing earlier in the week, uh, but right now in the U.K., um, the virus is no longer spreading exponentially, and that is great news. Uh, and and I think that you, you, when you combine it with uh, uh, just uh, some of the other news on the on the pharmaceutical side, you have GlaxoSmithKline. They they have their COVID-19 vaccine partnership with Clover that's started testing on humans. So you're 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 also 
seeing that uh, with the, the big uncertainty for the future, uh, you know, the, the hopes are getting higher that, you know, we're going to see uh, one, there's over 100 vaccines being tested. The, the UK has got a couple good ones right now that people have a lot of high hopes on that if, if some of these pan out, this is going to be, you know, kind of the the, the the saving grace for you know delivering the the complete recovery of of air travel and all the all the the social distancing will you know be able to ease if, if people do stick to using the vaccines and if they're efficient but I I, th- I think you're gonna see that that's going to be the case and uh, you, you you had some positive breakthroughs on on treatments uh, so, so so there's a lot of optimism that you know the the uncertainty of the virus is is, is persisting and you know uh, uh, a second wave is is very possible um, but um, um, the hope is that each country is more well prepared to handle it going forward. So um, um, right now there is a tremendous amount of optimism growing and uh, that should, um, um, I think, provide um, UK assets uh, a strong bid going forward. On the downside, Ed, it's worth noting uh, as far as the debt data that came out today, the UK's debt now worth more than its economy after the government borrowed a record amount in May, the £55.2 billion figure, nine times higher than in May last year, the highest since records began in 1993, and the uh, government debt now surging towards nearly £2 trillion and exceeding the size of the economy for the first time in more than 50 years. Now, all of this is very, very expected, of course, but when you see it in black and white... It's extraordinary. Can you imagine predicting this a year ago when you consider how the Conservative government over the last, what is it, 10 years or so has got the debt down and further and further and further and they were hoping to reduce it even further this year, of course, and we're, that's all wiped out. That's all gone and beyond wiped out. It's uh, quite extraordinary when you think about it, how quickly things can changed. No, very much so. And, and I think, in, you know, the... The, the the deficits that we're going to be seeing everywhere they're 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 going to be sh- shockingly painful for future growth and uh, I, I think that right now you know the um, all of these governments are forced in a position and and no one's objecting to this in the short term uh, the, the problems will you know will be paying the price you know much further down the road but right now um, they're they're it is it is what is needed right now. And uh, I, I think no one's really focused on this because uh, of the, the long term effects, because right now we're still trying to get through uh, uh, the, the pandemic and uh, the, the uncertainty is going to provide the, the catalyst for, for uh, that to even probably get a lot worse. And I, I think um, deficits are, are, are going to continue to skyrocket here and uh, hopefully um, we'll, we'll, we'll see um, once the economy is is back um they'll be able to the governments will be able to kind of um finally bring down those deficits let's talk about the eu now i know it's one of your favorite subjects ed and the eu recovery fund we had a big meeting today of eu leaders they've met and of course they've agreed to meet again so what was actually achieved today um Actually, nothing really, but <laughs> we, we, we did see that um, uh, uh, ECB President Lagarde kind of um, uh, made her case and uh, she's just reiterating her stance that, you know, it's it's, it's time. EU leaders need to it to uh, to, to deliver the, the the economic recovery is 
is very vulnerable. Europe has lagged the rest of the world. And uh, I think that uh, there are growing hopes that Europe will be able to get a stimulus package that includes some form of debt mutualization and also uh, uh, fiscal transfer. So there, there's going to be big, big um, uh, debates going forward, you know, from the frugal four, the Netherlands, Austria, Sweden, and Denmark. But I think there is a strong optimism that uh, something is going to get done. Uh, when we take a look at how the, the euro has performed, uh, you know, since uh, May 27th, when the initial announcement of this recovery fund has happened, you know, we've seen the euro um, um, really uh, uh, shoot up, you know, or we've been kind of between 108 and 112 or 113. And now uh, I, I think there's still high hopes that uh, this is going to get pushed through. Um, and and uh, if, if, it, if for some reason we start to see some hiccups, so you could definitely see that uh, put a tremendous uh, amount of pressure on um, the Euro and uh, the, the European bourses. Ed, we've managed to get through a podcast almost without mentioning your commander in chief, President Donald Trump. Um, not quite sure how we did that. Well, I've got a question for you, though. We had some revelations this week uh, from John Bolton in his latest book, of course, um, not published yet in the USA. So we won't talk about the specifics of those revelations yet. But with the election, what, less than five months away, around about five months away now in the United what are markets hoping for in November? Are they hoping for a Biden win? Um, I, I think if if your your hope is for the the highest price, uh, um, you you're, you want Donald Trump to become reelected. I think there's uh, still, um, you know, former VP Biden is is still positive for the markets. I think you'd still see um, stock markets eventually climb higher, but his his uh, stance on regulation, um, I think he'd 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 come down. He'd have harsher measures on big tech and uh as you know we're a lot of these indices are heavily weighted on tech so i think the lives for the amazons googles and facebooks would become a little bit more complicated and then that would likely um pair um some of these uh, recent gains but ultimately i think uh, both both candidates um, are, are going to provide a, an opportunity for U.S. stocks to climb higher. I think the worst case scenario for equities was if you had a progressive, a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren become president, which, you know, makes the decision of uh, Biden's VP pick extremely important. So Elizabeth Warren is still in the running. Uh, Klobuchar, Governor Klobuchar did... Uh, uh, take herself out of the race. And uh, I, I think there is growing momentum that you might see... Uh, uh, Biden uh, select a female, uh, possibly an African American. Uh, so there's there's a, a tremendous amount of. I mean, our, these candidates are are on the uh, older side. So there's a there's possibility that you could see the VP um, uh, need to step in at some point. So there's there's going to be a lot to, to watch. I think in the short term, I mean, uh, it's hard to imagine that you know, despite you know, you know, all these headlines in the U.S. of you know, surges all across the country, especially um, it's 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 widespread over 20 states. Uh, President Trump will have his first live campaign rally. It's the first one since March uh, to, tomorrow. And and uh, it's it's you know, he's defined the public health recommendations. And uh, I think you're going to see that uh, there is going to be no shortage of headlines um, regarding uh, President Trump. And uh, I, I think that uh, it's uh it is very concerning that um uh you know you could see 
up to 20,000 people possibly attend this. And, and uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma has had uh, low cases. That's why they, um, Oklahoma has not been uh, as impacted as the rest of the states. So that's why they chose that location. But um, it's a, I think it's a, it's a risk, and uh, that's why they're having everyone sign waivers there. So I, I think uh, you're going to see that um, th this this uh, this uh, election is going to be extremely um, um, volatile because you're going to have um, um, campaign rallies. You're going to see President Trump maintain his his uh, harsh rhetoric towards China. Um, but I think um, no one's really believing that he's going to follow through on any of those tough stances, and that's why you continue to see U.S. equities remain, um, uh, for the most part, resilient, even when he's now tweeting about possibly abandoning that relationship or whatnot. Uh, you know, today's today's de developments on the on the U.S.-China trade front was re relatively positive. China's reconfirming their commitment to delivery on that phase one deal. So uh, there's, there's so many stories to follow, but um, ultimately right now, I think both candidates are still positive for, for, for risk appetite and uh, for the, for us stocks and uh, possibly um, um, a little bit better for Donald Trump. Uh, but I, I think that um, if Biden does win and if, if he somehow, if it's a blue wave and they flip the Senate, um, you know, that it's still positive for U.S. stocks. But I think in the in the immediate short term, you, you would see some weakness. OK, uh, before I let you go, can you give us a, a brief summation of what to look forward to next week? What's the big data coming out and uh, any other business stories that we should look out for? Next week's a tricky week. Uh, there's uh, there's not one main data point or event to, to follow. It's kind of there's there's several scattered throughout the the, the week. But uh, just quickly, uh, I think on Monday, um, you you do have the EU and China holding a video conference to to talk about their future relationship. I think anything that supports globalization is going to be positively viewed by the markets. Also on Monday, you're you're going to see Apple have their Worldwide Developers Conference. Uh, they might make some pushes towards announcing their own, uh, announcing a shift to making their own processors for their computer. So um, uh, I, I think if tech gets a buzz, you know, that's always uh, something that's been um, helping lead this this rebound. So that's uh, that's important. Tuesday, it's all about the flash PMI readings. You know, we'll get the updates from the EU and the US. Everyone's expecting a sharp rebound. Um, and then the middle of the week, Wednesday, we have the IMF has their growth projections. So they, they've kind of already telegraphed that uh, they're going to be downgrading things. It's likely going to be a lot worse than what they said in April. So everyone's expecting some um, really um, tough revisions here. And then on, on Thursday, we do have bank stress tests announced, uh, results announced by the Fed. Uh, that's also closely watched, but I, I don't think anyone's heavily concerned about that. Uh, Friday is the big day prop um, with the uh, economic data from uh, U.S. spending figures. You know, you're going to personal spending, personal income. Hopefully it confirms the strength of the U.S. consumer. You know, we did have that strong retail sales beat um, last week. And uh, you're going to see the Russell reconstitution. So. Um, you're going to have Friday become possibly one of the most uh, volatile trading days of the or highest volume trading days of the year. So uh, lately, uh, it seems that sometimes these uh, 
uh, reconstitutions are somewhat negative, um, but we'll, we'll see if uh, it is going to uh, provide some extra chaos. So lots of volatility, a lot to watch. Um, and then also, also too, it's, you know, it's all about the virus. You know, we have to see exactly how these cases are trending right now. We're, we are seeing several states, uh, California, Texas, Florida, Arizona, continuing to, to have um, uh, record surges. So that's very concerning. And uh, I, I think that um, if, if those do not start to plateau, um, there's going to be uh, calls for um, uh, harsher restrictions and you'll see reopening momentum fade. Okay, thanks very much for joining us today. Have a very good weekend and we'll speak to you again next time. Always a pleasure. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.